Okay. All right. (laughs) I'm agnostic. I'm Laura Barclay, a Baptist minister, and we are Bible Bitches, a podcast where we riff on all things biblical, feminist, and pop culture. Today's fun fact is that we have a friend joining us today, Billy Flood, actor, professor, and activist. How are you doing today, Billy? I am fantastic. I, like you said, my name's Billy, and mm-hmm. I happen to be black, gay, and a cisgender male. Uh, I'm Christian, and my pronouns are he, him, his. And uh, what can I say? I'm pretty fucking awesome. Woo! Uh, catch me outside on Twitter at bflood28. Don't catch him inside. Don't catch me inside. <laughs> Only outside. Only outside. The letter B, the word flood, 28. I should make mm-hmm. that clear. And I'm an, uh, so does this make me an official bitch now yeah, also? Yeah, totally. I'm not just like a... Bitch. No, you're a, you're a permanent official bitch. Yes. Woo! Awesome. You have become a female dog. I'm a female <laughs> dog. Yes. Yes. Congratulations. Yes. All right. Um. So you are the official. You are an official bitch. I'm right? an official bitch, and I am pleased as a Baptist holding a piece of big fried chicken to be here. <laughs> I like a true southerner. Mm-hmm. That phrase, and then um, I got a wild hair up my ass. Love. Love oh my God. Uh, like, I, I feel like I said that like every other day as a child. Do you say fixin'? Yeah, oh, fixin'. Yes. He's got a wild hair up his ass, like all those things. Do you say things. wash? Uh, my grandma does, but I do not. Yes. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's how you know you're a Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, we're talking about David and Jonathan. Yeah, <laughs> this is this is definitely why you should add us on Twitter because you if you suggest it you might just get pulled in and we'll put see, you to work. See what happens <laughs> now. I'm here. Yeah, right. <laughs> He's like, "Why don't you do David and Jonathan?" And I'm like, "Why don't you research it?" <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. So my history is kind of interesting because I'm I'm I go to Highland Baptist Church with me. Uh, with with Laura, and I was born and raised Baptist, but I have literally been uh, Presbyterian. I was baptized, not baptized, I was uh, accepted into the Presbyterian Church when I lived in Buffalo, New York for a while. I was uh, accepted into the uh, Dutch Reformed Church in Manhattan when I lived in New York City for seven years. Um, I was in the Catholic Church when I was an undergrad. I joined the Catholic Church at the Catholic Campus Ministry. So I just, I joined whatever community I feel right in. So I'm not really tied to a denomination. Yeah, great. I like that. It sounds like your history is very, very much uh, a history of American religion, like a, mm. this blend mm-hmm. where you're kind of seeing what's right for you. That's it's really always cool. just been whatever affirming congregation mm-hmm. I can find that has high church. Yeah. That's exactly the theme that I was thinking. Like you just love some like sacramental tradition. Yep. Mm. Yep. I love all the pomp and circumstance, the theater of it all, of course. Yeah, and we're a very Um, Babdo-Catholic church. (laughs) Yeah, okay. So I did, I I grew accustomed to having the the infamous clobber passages thrown at me and Mm -hmm. and having to like deal with those and deconstruct those. So it's really a breath of fresh air and something I can just lean into that really affirms my personhood. Um, Much like Bert and Ernie recently, (laughs) David and Jonathan, D&J as I like to call them, are far more than good buds. I mean, something else is going on here. Um, can I just say that Sarah and I recently uh, saw the thing floating around on Facebook about which, uh, based on which astrological sign you are, um, which 
a Sesame Street character are you? I am Ooh. Bert and Sarah is Ernie. <gasps> Perfection. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like, but I think that seems right. Like you seem like an Ernie and you seem like a mm-hmm. Bert. It's super on They seem a little bit frazzled all the time. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> She's a Leo. I'm a Virgo. You know how it is. <laughs> <laughs> you know <how> <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> let's turn to another book. The book of the Bible. Okay. So let's go on a deep dive of history. Are you ready? Let's go in the way, 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 way back machine. All the way back, all the way back to 1000 BCE, when David was the king of Israel. He was the second Israelite king after Saul, who became king after a period of time where um, Israel was ruled by judges. And if you want to hear more about judges um, and what they did and who they were, go back and listen to our Badass Ladies of the Old Testament episode where we talk about Deborah and really what they were doing at that time. So anyway, you may know him from such tales as David as the young man slaying the giant warrior Goliath with his rock sling or from raping Bathsheba, which we covered in the episode Bathsheba for no more. So we will largely avoid that in order to not be repetitive. Um, so go back and take a listen if that's something you're like, I need to hear about that right now. So we're gonna avoid that, but just know David, slightly, if not largely problematic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, David's a douche. Yep. Uh, total. <laughs> Mr. Felch. <laughs> you know what, douches, douches are a cleaning product and Let's not disparage them. He's the anti-douche, I guess. What is well, he no, I'm the... okay with a douche because yeah. douches hurt the vagina. Don't douche. Yes. Lysol, right. dude. Anyways. Um, He's hurting the, bi- the, the, the microbiome. The natural flora and fauna of your exactly. body. Yeah. He's screwing up that pH balance. Yes, this is our... This is <laughs> right. That is right, Billy. This is, this is our PSA. Don't douche people. Okay. And we're back. So... Again, we're talking about David and Jonathan. I'm just going to say the best side quest ever. Okay. All right. We're going to And so we're going to be exploring David's relationship, not just with Jonathan, but also a little bit with King Saul. David, according to 1 Samuel, was the youngest of eight sons of Jesse and contradictorily in 1 Chronicles, the youngest of seven sons and two sisters. So like, we're not really sure... He just had like a shit ton of siblings. Anyways. Yeah, it was too many. <laughs> <laughs> too many. He was, they, they did the quiverful method and it didn't work. <laughs> he was Catholic <laughs> as fuck. <laughs> a lot of damn kids. <laughs> um, too many kids. After King Saul angers God through disobedience, God anoints David, who was then a shepherd, and like anoints him to become king. David becomes Saul's armor bearer and plays the, the lyre. Lyre? Lyre. Lyre. And plays the lyre <laughs> when Saul is tormented by evil spirits. So some possibility that he was suffering from mental illness, and this was their way of talking about it. And then David faces Goliath, the champion of the Philistines in battle, felling him with his sling. For this, Saul promotes him to lead his military, but Saul soon becomes jealous of David's fame and admiration, though he still allows his daughter, Michael, to marry David. And while Saul is becoming more and more jealous, Saul's son Jonathan is getting closer to David. 
So 1 Samuel 18, 3 to 4 states, Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that he was wearing and gave it to David and his armor, even his sword and his bow and his belt. That's a pretty intense covenant. <laughs> it sounds like Jonathan bared more than just his soul to David at that moment, if you know what I'm saying. You mean you don't like always do that? Like, a, oh, I mean, awkward. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're both virile young men in the height of sexual prowess, puberty, like now one is naked in front of the other. Come on. I mean, Jonathan was being all extra, but we know how much David is into lust. Mm -hmm. So you yeah. do the math. Was like was David the first bisexual? Hmm. Mm. I mean, I feel like the span of sexuality has been around since. Yeah, right, the spectrum. The spectrum. Yeah. I think. I think it's just different in terms of how how, how we, we understand how it. How we understand it, yeah. and also where the power lies in culture. We're so heavy on labels today. Right. And I feel like they just was so much more fluid and yeah, yeah. He's yeah. just a true narcissist. Yeah. Amen. That is the truth. That's what he is. Um, and Saul's jealous jealousy grows to the point of insanity, and he tells his son Jonathan he's going to kill David. And then First Samuel nineteen one says Jonathan took great delight in telling David. Not only does he warn David, but he tries to calm his father t Saul's temper, even as Saul's daughter Michal is helping David escape. And then we see David going on the run. Uh, and after a series of adventures, Jonathan meets up with David again and states his loyalty to David as the future king. Jonathan says to David in 1 Samuel um, 20, um, verses 14 through 17, May the Lord be with you, as he has been with my father. If I am still alive, show me the faithful love of the Lord. But if I die, never cut off your faithful love from my house even if the Lord were to cut off every one of the enemies of David from the face of the earth. Thus, Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, May the Lord seek out the enemies of David. Jonathan made David swear again by his love for him, for he loved him as he loved his own life. I'm really getting some Mariah Carey, why are you so obsessed with me vibes here? <laughs> right. <laughs> so Saul is not happy with Jonathan when he finds out he aided David. And Saul says to Jonathan in 1 Samuel 20, verses 30 and 31, um, through 31, you son of a perverse, rebellious woman, do I not know what you have chosen, the son of Jesse, to your own shame and to the shame of your mother's nakedness? This implies he has put David before his own family, but it also implies that Saul is an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> but Jonathan is steadfast, and in 1 Samuel 20, verses 41 to 42, it says, um, Then they, David and Jonathan, kissed each other and wept together, but David wept the most. Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, for we have sworn friendship with each other in the name of the Lord, saying, The Lord is witness between you and me, and between your descendants and my descendants forever. Oh. So sweet. Okay. And David and Saul play this cat and mouse game with David fleeing and Saul following once in order to prove Saul to Saul that David doesn't actually want the throne yet. He presents Saul with a bit of robe. He has cut from Saul's clothing in secret as he was hiding in a cave. Like, you know, Hey, I could have killed you. So he's like, I could have killed your bitch, but I didn't. 
And Saul makes amends with David, and he's like, all right, I see it could have killed me. It's cool. And he names him to be a successor. Ugh, it's so exhausting. <laughs> it's a lot. Mm-hmm. David. And, like, as we know, David has – he marries a lot of women. He has a lot of concubines. These were all like largely political alliances. Um, and he, I mean, like, it's just a lot of family dysfunction that will probably be cataloged in future episodes. So much fun. Foreshadowing, like seriously, David, there's just so much there. So much. David, you are a mess, a mess. Okay. But it's not long before Saul is at war with David again. He just for, keeps forgetting. He just doesn't even know. And uh, he spares David's life again. And David lives in Gath for a while. But eventually the Philistines attack and overwhelm Saul and Jonathan. And when David discovers Jonathan is dead, he is overcome. David tore at his clothes. He fasted. He weeps. And he wrote, quote, the song of the bow in honor of Jonathan and ordered that it be taught to all the people of Judah, which is the Southern kingdom of Israel. You can find this song in uh, the second Samuel uh, chapter one, verses 19 through 27. And Billy, will you read that section for us and your beautiful melodic voice? Oh, thank you. I would be happy to. <clears throat> your glory, O Israel, lies slain upon your high places. How the mighty have fallen. Tell it not to Gath, proclaim it not in the streets of Ashkelon, or the daughters of the Philistines will rejoice, the daughters of the uncircumcised will exult. You mountains of Gilboa, let there be no dew or rain upon you, nor bounteous fields, for there the shield of the mighty was defiled, the shield of Saul anointed with oil no more. From the blood of the slain, from the fat of the mighty, the bow of Jonathan did not turn back, nor the sword of Saul return empty. Saul and Jonathan, beloved and lovely, in life and in death, they were not divided. They were swifter than eagles. They were stronger than lions. O daughters of Israel, weep over Saul, who clothed you with crimson in luxury, who put ornaments of gold on your apparel. How the mighty have fallen in the midst of the battle. Jonathan lies slain upon your high places. I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. Greatly beloved were you to me. Your love to me was wonderful, passing the love of women. <clears throat> <laughs> How the mighty have fallen, and the weapons of war perished. Um, somebody throw money at Billy right now to make a play about this, because I want to see it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Take my money! Never shut up! <laughs> so, okay, so this, like, just, like, sidebar. This is the part where... So I take... I take issue with this being like a fully erotic emotional piece. Oh, I think uh, it's all bullshit. I think he's the, the best actor in the world. Yeah. And that's, that's what I was looking for. So. Cause it's too much. First of all, I mean, thinks the lady doth protest too much. It's way too right? much. Right. And so, um, in this is this, this is the paper by, uh, Orly Karen. And I, I looked these people up. They looked legit, like not, you know, 
in disguise, super conservative Christians. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they didn't have short sleeve button up shirts on. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he says, or she says, I'm not sure what orally is, but um, it is astonishing that only after Jonathan's death does David express his feelings. And even then he speaks of Jonathan's love for him, just like what you were saying, um, you, Billy. Pagel asserts that, that the for me in David's lament, 2 Samuel 126, can be understood in two different ways. The standard reading that for me is your love was wonderful, but also your love for me was wonderful. Hmm. As Peleg notes further, in the first reading, David expresses his own feelings for Jonathan as well. In the second reading, he's simply paying homage to Jonathan's great devotion to him. And his lament David is revealed to be the master of the public eulogy. Later, he proclaims another after the death of Abner. In both of them, there is a repeated and systematic pattern in his behavior, which expresses what he holds dearest of all, his own public image. Okay, so yeah. very political. Yep. Okay, yeah. so I found a resource on qspirit.net, which is a resource for queer Christians that notes quote, their story, meaning like David and Jonathan's story, inspires LGBTQ people and affirms that same-sex couples are blessed by God. The modern idea of sexual orientation didn't exist in biblical times, but the powerful love story of Jonathan and David in uh, First and Second Samuel suggests that same-sex couples are affirmed and blessed by God. It's impossible to know whether David and Jonathan expressed their love sexually. Some consider David to be bisexual since the Hebrew scriptures also recount how he committed adultery with Bathsheba <coughs> slash rape and later <laughs> made wives. However, I would argue that seriously, the Bathsheba case was rape and thus about power mm -hmm. and not sexuality. Um, and that he, we know that he had wives for political alliances and what was notorious for his concubines. So from my perspective, I get that. I get the desire to want to make this this beautiful love story between two gay men. Um, I, I wish I could do that. Like, I so wish I could do that. I think Jonathan is amazing. Um, I read his, I read his words and I am just like, Oh, I love you. And I saw this acted out at our divinity school, Sarah, um, during the Phyllis Tribble lectures. Actually, it was, there was a liturgical dance between David and Jonathan where they like ripped their clothes off and held, held each other <laughs> below the altar. And <laughs> Yes, this was like 2007. So, uh, so yeah, I I want that. I want so much that this is a love story. I think that David is an asshole, and that, and I don't think David deserves Jonathan. I love Jonathan. Um, I I tend to agree, but I and I don't. As the gay male here, I I would say that I don't think it's even so much about. Oh, it's a beautiful gay love story. Just the fact that. For me, also the fact that like the Council of Nicaea decided to include this story about two men who were in some kind of questionable, quasi-homosexual or homoerotic relationship is meaningful, mm -hmm. and that that man is in, in the lineage of Jesus Christ mm -hmm. is powerful, period. I, I disagree, because the Council of Nicaea and the writers of this, um, of this book, of these books, would have had a very clear misogynistic bent. Like they have no, there's no like benefit to them to add a like a really like love incorporating and like all inclusive kind of thing. Mm -hmm. That's antithetical to their theology. And I mm -hmm. like that we can read that into it now. That's just how we do with the Bible. We like 
interpret it by our culture. But I think at the time, it was more of the reading was more to create a explanation for why David just sort of like came in and usurped. And Mm -hmm. so they had to make Jonathan look like the weaker of the two. And this is why I think it's a misogynistic text because Mm -hmm. they make Jonathan to be very passive. They make Jonathan to be like quote unquote feminine. And he's just like Mm -hmm. giving himself fully over to David. And he like can't control his emotions and all of these like very like bullshitty feminine stereotypes, right? Mm -hmm. This is why I think intersectionality is so important. Because like, I think putting together like the lens of like LGBTQ on this, as well as like feminism, we can kind of look at this and be like that kind of hierarchy of toxic masculinity is really like unhelpful and dangerous. Right. Right. And I think it's, I think it's yes. And I mean, these two things exist <laughs> together. Right. I mean, um, a, right. I, I, I completely agree with you and see your point that they would have just needed to insert him in and have a reason for him to, to ascend all of a sudden and switch the storylines from Saul to David. And I also um, can see that toxic masculinity just takes over and mm-hmm. takes control. But I do then, I'd have that question then, if it's just simply that, why throw the eroticism in? It could have just been an alpha dog type situation. Mm-hmm. It would not need to be this love, odd, bizarre, uh, I would say the the feminization of him would not need to be there. Mm. It could have just been, this is a more dominant male instead of making Jonathan soft. He could have just been like, Mm. you know what I'm saying? saying. So I just think it's interesting like why they would need to go that way. So, um, totally. Yes. So, okay, so here's my hot take. The relationship of D&J is one that is fraught. And while I think it embodies a different, beautiful way to be masculine in a world that is hyper-toxically masculine, and that Jonathan had a passionate heart for David, I think David was a user. Mm-hmm. I mean, remember he was beautiful, you know, quote, ruddy with beautiful eyes and a handsome appearance according to 1 Samuel 16, verse 12. And by all accounts, he's full of hubris. And Mm -hmm. ever since he beat that giant with a fucking rock, he thinks he's hot (laughs) shit. I mean, he gets out of any and all scrapes. The man is Teflon and supposedly blessed by God to be so. (laughs) And in my reading of it, scripture just suggests Jonathan was deeply in love with David and that David was like, meh, okay, you're cute and we can do the deed and I'll usually get away from your father. And it it just reminds me of Jason and Medea. Like low key. How much of a panty dropper was it when David just strolls on into town with Goliath's head <laughs> and he's just like, it's just like dripping blood and he's just, what the fuck guys? No big what? deal. It's, it's a fucking Tuesday. What's up? What, this is what I do every day. Right. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. I mean, David is the high school football jock, right? He's the prom king and Jonathan <laughs> was the naive freshman in love with him. And so there is that imbalance of power there. And um, David might have felt fondly for the guy he messed around with who saved him from being murdered by King Saul. But I'm quite sure Jonathan was more into David than vice versa. And I think, as I said before, I think it's interesting mm-hmm. that it was decided to keep mm-hmm. this in the Bible mm-hmm. um, when it does have, it's so open to a sort of romantic interpretation. Um, and I think the relationship is sort of the unique thing about the story. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I, I do want to like come back to this idea of David having the power because Jonathan, like technically Jonathan is the one in power. He's next in line for the throne, right? Right. He's and royalty. Like, so he can mm-hmm. rule yeah. if he wants to. And so it just kind of seems like this weird game of chess where they're kind of both playing a role mm. in a way. It's strange. Like I don't quite understand it. And, and, and also I'm just like, not that good at like courtly politics. <laughs> Shocking. Well, it's like they're constantly jockeying for position. Right. Because, which can also be like sexually exciting. Right. Because know. David has been named as a successor. Right. And it's so that's this weird sort of we're sort of on equal footing. Like yeah. what's going on here? Yeah. There but are also, definitely some political overtones. Yeah, but and also, yeah, like the politics are there. I mean the a lot of the verbiage that they use for for delight and love and you know david describing jonathan as pleasant which by the way fuck you Um, (laughs) wait wait sarah if someone replies to you on tinder and they're like you're you're pleasant looking (laughs) ew swipe left 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 hard swipe left left. hard all right we're gonna back okay so none of what we've talked about necessarily diminishes the erotic message right but, uh, like, you know, we know the Bible can be interpreted in many different ways. And there are always layers upon layers of meaning in the text. Um, I feel like one way to look at this is that it's a sexy game of chess. Mm. Uh, like a, like, Game of Thrones style. And I also wonder how many, like, how much any evangelical take uh, on David fuels shit like Trump Kavanaugh. Um, which we've just kind of gone through. If you're listening to this, that was uh, about two weeks ago, Mm. um, the Kavanaugh hearings to become a Supreme Court justice, which were a shit show. Um, If they convince themselves that someone is blessed, this person should be on the court no matter what. This person should be king no matter what. When it's really just white privilege, um, then you can excuse a lot of horrific things by reading into David's narrative, like rape, incest, injustice within his family, and not really look into the more critical angles, which I think has been rife throughout American history, right? We, we look, um, Billy, I know you noted the, the whole concept of manifest destiny. That's horrifying. Yeah, right? I mean, that's just what it reminded me of. Yeah. Saying this person's blessed. It's like, we will trample, we will colonize, we will rape, we will pillage. Right. And it was providence. Just sheer God meant us to do this. Right. And there's no way that we lost, what is it, over 90% of the native population, the indigenous population of North America. That is not God's will. That's disgusting. That's horrifying. That's genocide. That's like beyond genocide. That's disgusting. So, but we can, but that's white privilege to say like, oh, we were meant to be here. Like everybody that's, died. That's progress, right? That's progress. So, yeah. Quote unquote progress, yeah. right? We do not think that. Quote unquote progress. That's disgusting. Um, yeah, it's horrifying. So like, and I think when we do that kind of icky Western Christianity thing, anytime we like merge like racism, sexism, like colonial like bullshit in with that capitalism like the the economic angle it's you get a lot of really horrifying stuff that you can just sort of graft onto uh any sort of biblical story and say yeah i'm reading it through this particular lens that must mean it's right when holy shit 
why don't we try to read it through the historical context of like, what would a, you know, if we're looking at Jesus, what would a first century Palestinian uh, Jew think about this? What would the average Joe uh, or, or Jill in a, uh, you know, 100 or 1000 BCE in Israel think about this? But that's just the, that's just the problem. So one of the inherent difficulties of interpreting these texts is that it was a very, very wealthy, privileged thing to be able to write, to be able to dictate, to do all these things. And so any story that we have, we can only extrapolate from the nuanced words themselves. And so that's how we can get to a conversation about it being political, about it being all these things. But we don't know what the other, we don't know what anybody else is saying. It's like going to a museum and you just see these like beautiful paintings of people, but you don't see anybody else. And that's not really a statement of like what was going on at the time, right? It's just this small segment that could afford it. We don't know we don't know if any of this is really properly true. We're just hearing the narrative that whoever wrote this wanted to portray. And yeah, and I agree with that. And you don't really get any sort of idea of what the masses think about anything until the minor profits. The common person. Right. How how do they feel? Exactly. Because then it's trickled up to the point where there's, there must be a significant amount of people that are really disgruntled enough that people who are wealthy enough to read and write are like, hey, this shit isn't okay. We have to address this. Yeah. People are rioting. Right. Yeah. So, no, I think that's a a very good, a good thing. And like, and so like, I think, I think it's totally fine to like, like layer in whatever modern interpretation that we want to. But we also have to be cognizant that like the interpretations that we are choosing are just that. They're interpretations that we are choosing. And we can't know what the context actually was. We're just seeing one very small sliver of a prism of stories. Right. I And I would like to give Billy the last word as our honorary and newest Bible bitch. You get the last word. Well, I think what you two were just saying uh, was so important because that's kind of how we get to the current day fake news, right? When you don't have context and you just make it up as you see it without any contextualization whatsoever. That's how we get to alternative facts mm-hmm. and, and fake news. So I thought it was interesting. But anyway, um, so when I think about David and Jonathan, the the one, I, th- I think we've covered a lot of bases here. Clearly the political aspects stand out. Clearly there was something erotic going on with the two of them, whether it was love or just a sexual relationship. We don't know. We can't know. There's a lot um, of ducking. The- <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Right. I hope there was a whole lot of docking going on. <laughs> what, what really caught my attention, though, um, was any, I think anytime men are portrayed as weeping in the Bible, and it's not a tool to engage violence, or specifically from a romantic heteronormative relationship, uh, it makes my ears per- perk up. Um, so I think it was very powerful. Uh, for David to weep over Jonathan or Jonathan to weep most, uh, just like when Jesus wept in the Bible. Um, that is extremely a powerful anti, 
um, agent towards toxic masculinity, which the Bible is so steeped in. Yeah. Uh, for a man who you are supposed to emulate crying and for it to be okay. Yeah. Uh, is powerful. It gives us a really good model for what healthy masculinity looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Yay. So that's, that's my positive takeaway is hey dudes, men cool. crying is good. That's right. Dudes, you can cry. I disagree that that's what that was about, but we can wrap it up. Sarah likes to say, I don't know. No, I actually think that this was oh. a statement of toxic masculinity. Do uh -huh. you? Okay. Yeah. I, uh, well, okay. I see that. I totally see that. Because authorial intent is not all. I mean, you can you can mean something to mean something, and then it, it be what it actually does in society is something else. Well, yeah, because what it does in society is interpreted by the society at the time. No, right. So, like, authorial intent is not always. Even though we all agree, David's an asshole. Yeah, he still made a song and like I need you to sing "Song of the Bow" to yourself. Yeah, all, like. Just repeat Great. that. Just repeat it tonight. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm kidding. Will you rock yourself as you go to sleep and be like, you glorio Israel, last line upon your high way. From the blood of the slain, from the fat <laughs> of the mighty, the bow of Jonathan did not turn back. Saul and Jonathan. Oh, daughters of Israel, weep on the soul. Oh, yeah. Who clothed you with crimson and luxury? Yeah. Who put on a mask of gold on your Y'all gotta start a hairband. Y'all gotta start a hairband. <laughs> you guys would be fucking amazing. Get some paint on your face, some big wig. Done. You guys would be goddamn Done. awesome. Agree to agree. Doing it. It's happening. All right. Bible Bitches, the band. <laughs> Don't get my hopes up like that. We're just gonna turn all the poems into songs. And it's gonna be like <laughs> fucking metal. Can the band be called like the Caucasian Negroes Bible Bitches? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think really, that needs to be the name of the band. People will come because they're just so confused. They're like, what's that? What? <laughs> <laughs> yes. I just really want to tell my mom, hey, I can't, I can't talk tonight. I'm about to go get on stage with Bible Bitches the um, Caucasian Negroes. <laughs> and then your mom's like, what? And you're what? like, hi, Clay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I told you not to send her to the Divinity School. Yes. <laughs> book learning and ideas in her head. <laughs> okay. Oh my God, Billy. It was fucking awesome to have you on the show. This was so much fun. It was a damn delight. If it I do say for good. Yeah. <laughs> you sound so surprised. No, it was just it was <laughs> super fun. And also, like, you listen to Leno, everything is in a question. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> no. I, I'm sure we have listener mail. I haven't checked. Uh, been, there's been a lot going on, y'all. It'll get, it'll get done in the next one. Um, however, we have two newest, two of our newest Bible bitches, Aaron Phelps, yay, and Edgar Paul Harrington, the yay. third or fourth. I can't remember. You are, you are in a long line of distinguished dudes, and yeah. we love you. So yeah. thank you to our two newest Bible bitches, da, 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 da. And, you, and you too can support us and be our some of our newest Bible bitches. You will get a shout out on the podcast. 
and have access to exclusive content and perks. Um, if you go to, is it patreon.com slash Bible Bitches Podcast? Is that right? That is what it is. Nice. Good job. And yeah, thanks. Also, if you found us and you're like, how the fuck do I find you again? Find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher. Please subscribe. And if it gives you an opportunity to rate us, rate us a five and give us lots of praise or don't do it at all. <laughs> well, no, no. We want, we just, all we really need are the stars. Like, that's the, that's like this weird algorithm with iTunes. So we don't care what you actually say. But as long as you give us those five stars, sure. then you will, like, get bumped up. Anyways, you guys are so fucking awesome for listening. Um, definitely check out Yo Eves. She does our intro and outro music. Um, and she just released a new single. Did she re- has she released the whole album yet? I don't know about the whole, uh, the whole album. She has done a single. It's amazing. Yeah. And I love that intro. She's amazing. It's so She's fantastic. Really fucking awesome. Yeah. She is incredible. Yeah. And then also, we can't forget... Fucking Aaron at Aaron Doodles on Twitter, who is just like the absolute best. And he's amazing. Huh? He's amazing. Aaron's yes, great. Belly Flood knows him. He's, he's great. He's precious. Yeah, he's great. And we have we've we met so much of him. <laughs> and he's all right. If you're if you're looking at our icon right now on iTunes or Stitcher or SoundCloud, that's his, that's his artwork. Mm-hmm. Anyways, and we love you guys. Thank you so much for listening and always like hit us up on Twitter. We want to hear your feedback, whatever it is, thoughts, comments, questions, whatever. Yeah, you can, you can catch us on Facebook at Bible Bitches. Um, you can tweet at us or DM us. Uh, let us know any topics you'd like to hear, any thoughts you have. You might just end up on listener mail um, or a significant part of the podcast. Um, you can also message us on our fan page on Facebook, Bible Bitches. Um, and you can also find us on our host website, engagedgazewithaz.com. Uh, and check me out on Twitter at, at bflood28. I'd love to yes. see you. Yes. Slide yes. into those DMs. <laughs> Hi. All right. Bye, you guys. We love you. Bye. Bye.